Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. All right. I see a few new faces, so welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study here at River of Life. Um, we are going through the entire Sermon on the Mount, and uh, which is, of course, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And last week, we started in the third and final section of the sermon, which, of course, is chapter 7. And we started looking at verses uh, 1 through 6. We're going to be in those same verses uh, tonight. And the title of our lesson, as you can see, is You Will Be Judged. So let's read our verses. <clears throat> Again, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, these are the words of Jesus. He says, Judge not <clears throat> that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure or the standard that you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't even notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log sticking out of your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to uh, attack you. Now, last week, uh, these six verses have to go together. They all go together. We'll read them all every time because you can't understand any one verse apart from the context. And last week, we looked at verse 1. And you remember I told you that verse 1 is probably the most abused verse in the Bible, certainly one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. And that, of course, is judge not that you be not judged. Now, some people say that this verse means that we should never judge anybody at any time at any place, right? We talked about this last week. They see this as prohibiting any and all judging. Now, let me just tell you, that is absolutely ludicrous, okay? There's no way you can do that. Uh, if we were to stop judging people, we'd have to stop preaching about sin. We'd have to stop enforcing our laws. We'd have to stop disciplining our children. Society would be complete anarchy and chaos. You, you can't have a, a, a civilization. You can't have a culture. You can't have order without judging. So that is absolutely uh, ridiculous, not just on the face of it, but even more so because there are other places in Scripture that tell us specifically that we are to judge. For example, 1 Corinthians uh, 5.12, where Paul says we are to judge those inside the church. And, of course, uh, John 7.24, where Jesus says, don't judge by appearances, but instead judge with righteous judgment. So there's certainly other places in the Bible that we are told to judge. So that's what we know it doesn't mean when Jesus says do not judge. So what does it mean? Well, we saw uh, several things last week, and I'm going to go through this very quickly. I think the first thing he means is don't judge like a hypocrite. Okay? Don't judge like a hypocrite. And I think this is his main focus here because he points that out 
in verses 3 through 5 when he said, you know, why would you judge the speck in your brother's eye when there's a log in your eye? Why would you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when you got a big beam sticking out of your eye? And then he calls them a hypocrite. So I think first and foremost, that's what he's saying. Don't judge hypocritically. But there's also other things the Bible tells us. Don't judge contemptuously. Don't look down your nose at other people like you're somehow better than them and judge them in that way. We're taught in 1 Corinthians 4, 5 that we are not to judge the heart. Listen, we'll learn next week that there are times we will need to judge other people's actions and other people's words. And that is okay as long as you do it by the standard of God's Word. As long as that's the standard, there are times we're going to have to judge. But you never, ever judge them as a person. You don't judge their heart. You don't judge their motivations. You're not qualified to do that. Only God can do that. You do not judge somebody's heart. We don't judge with wrong attitudes. We said last week, if it makes you happy to see somebody else fail, if it makes you feel good to see somebody else's failures and shortcomings, that's not judging out of love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 6 tells us that love uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. So that's, that's not the way to judge. And then finally, we just read John 7, 24. Jesus said, don't judge by appearances. Don't by, go by just what you see. Get all the information before you judge. So how should we judge? Well, Luke 6, 36 to 37, I think, tells us it pretty clearly. It tells us what not to do, don't judge, don't condemn, and it tells us what to do. Be merciful and forgive. Be merciful and forgive. In other words, what this passage is all about, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, is Jesus is teaching us don't judge people in the, in the wrong way. Don't judge them in a way that's condemning just heaping criticism on top of them just for the sake of doing it. Don't judge in a petty and condescending and disparaging way. Judge them, if you have to judge someone, judge them in a way that helps them. It's merciful, it's forgiving. That's what Jesus means when he calls it a righteous judgment. That's what this passage is all about. By the way, this is made extremely clear in verse 5, if you don't understand this. Watch what Jesus says. He doesn't say, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. No, the whole point of this is he wants us to help one another. He says, take the, the, the beam, the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to help your brother or sister when they're called up in Sin. So that's the whole point of this. What Jesus is teaching us, as I said last week, is how to perform spiritual eye surgery. How to perform, how to be spiritual surgeons. How to help one another. Um, and that's what this is all about. Ministering to people. Helping them when they're caught or bound or overcome in sin. Now listen, I'm going to have to stop doing this. I stood here last week, and I told you tonight that I was going to talk about spiritual surgery, how to be a spiritual surgeon, how to, how, to, how to get yourself ready to help other people. And I had every intention of doing that. In fact, I got up Thursday morning and started working on my lesson, and by Friday I was about halfway done, but I just could not get focused on it. Something kept drawing me back. There was just this concern. I just felt like I couldn't go on 
And the thing that kept drawing me back was this verse right here. This, it just, I just couldn't get away from it. I felt like we hadn't covered it the way that we need to cover it. So tonight, I'm going to talk about this verse. And then next week, we'll talk about spiritual surgery. Let's read verse 2 again. Jesus said, For with the judgment that you pronounce on someone else, you will be judged. And with the measure or the standard that you use to measure somebody else, that same measure will be measured to you. Now, what bothered me as I left last week, and I didn't spend as much time on this verse as I wanted to, is I'm afraid that some Christians will read that verse where it says, you will be judged, and they might say to themselves, well, that's not me. I, I'm a Christian. My, my, my sins were nailed to the cross. I'm, I'm covered under the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to be judged. He's my heavenly Father. See, when it comes to Christians and judgment today, I'm, I, there's two things that really concern me. The first one is just ignorance. And what I mean by that is, is you just don't know what you don't know. If you've never been taught about what's facing you when you die as a Christian, then you're just, you just don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to try to remedy that tonight. You see, I'm afraid that over the years as Bible teachers, and I'll put myself in that, in that mix, that we have emphasized salvation by faith so much, which, by the way, we should, because that is the most beautiful teaching and doctrine in the world. But I guess my question is, have we emphasized it so much that we've actually neglected other teachings of Scripture regarding judgment? So I'm going to try to remedy that here tonight. The second thing that really... I think concerns me with Christians in judgment is there just seems to be in the church today a lack of fear. And I, and I use fear the way the Bible uses fear. Look at first, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Paul says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. You see, there's something about the fear of God that should motivate us to holiness. It should motivate us that, 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 that God is watching us, that God is, is, is going to judge us. That should be motivating us. And I'm afraid that's missing somewhat in the church today. And I'm afraid that there's Christians that see God. We've been told so much that God is love, God is love, God is love that we see God as a loving Father, which He absolutely is, but we've lost sight of the fact that one day He will be our judge. And He is both, by the way, as we'll see as we move through. So tonight, I'm going to talk about the Christian's judgment. Just the Christian. I, I'm not going to talk about unbelievers and all that. I'm going to talk about what, if you're here tonight and you're born again, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about your judgment, my judgment. And I want to answer two questions. Number one, will we as Christians be judged? And if so, how will we be judged? Okay? So we're going to start with probably the most well-known verse in the Bible regarding judgment. And that, of course, is Hebrews 9.27, where Scripture tells us, It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that comes judgment. Now, here's the thing. And we should get, if we don't get anything else from that verse, we should get this. I don't care who you are. 
You can be a ditch digger or you can be a Supreme Court justice. You can be a, 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 a stay-at-home mom or you can be the Queen of England. You can be a... a, a again, it doesn't matter. One day, you're going to die. And you will stand before God in judgment. And here's the thing. If we're all going to face Jesus Christ one day, and it's coming. It's coming for everybody. It's appointed unto us. If we're going to face him in judgment, then we better know the parameters of that judgment. We better know what's he going to use to judge me. And Scripture makes this incredibly clear what he's going to use to judge us. He's going to use your works. He's going to use your works. He's going to use your actions. He's going to use your, 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 uh, your attitudes. He's going to use your, your words. He's going to use what you have done in this life to judge you and to judge me. Now, let me just stop here and say, don't judge me yet, okay? Because I ain't done. Remember what we just said, don't judge until you get all the information. Because there's some people out there right now that are probably sweating bullets. What, what, you know, you, you're telling us we're going to be judged by works? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible is crystal clear. But just stay with me, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. I'm going to give you several scriptures. I'm not just going to pick one. I'm going to give you seven or eight, and I want you to see what's going on in these scriptures. The first one is our second verse tonight. And I want you to watch what, what it says. For with the judgment that you pronounce on somebody else, you will be judged. With the measure that you use to measure your brothers and sisters, that's going to be the measure that will be measured to you. Now, here's my, here's my question. We're going to be judged. What is going to be, what, what's the criteria? What's he judging us based on? What we've done, right? Some, on my words, I pronounce judgment over you. The attitudes that were behind the judgment that I, he's going to use that, he says, to judge me. So right there, you're seeing judgment is going to be based on something I've done. Let's go to the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 10. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Isaiah, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. But woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Notice the righteous and the wicked, both being judged or, 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 or eating of the fruit of their deeds. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew sixteen twenty seven. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has, what? Done. How about Paul, Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. And by the way, we're going to have to come back to this one. He will render to each one according to his, what? To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he'll give him eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Now notice what Paul says. He will give to each one, that's what the word render means, he will give to each one according to his works. What's he going to give? 
Eternal life, wrath and fury. Eternal life, wrath and fury. He goes on. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Apostle Paul again. For we, by the way, he's writing to the church, and he puts himself in there, doesn't he? He says, we. For we, river of life, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. Now, that's a lot of verses. But what we, we've seen in those verses are two things. Number one, every single person will, be, will stand in judgment before God. Unbelievers, believers, every single one. And they're going to be judged based on what they have done, good or bad. Of course, that's, that's talking about your deeds or your, your work. So if you ask the question or I ask the question, will Christians face judgment? Absolutely, yes. There is no doubt about it. All those scriptures tell us we will all stand before God. We will all give account of ourselves before God, every single one of us. Okay, Now... Right about now, you're saying, oh, wait a minute, Derek. <laughs> Don't you believe that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? I believe it with every fiber of my being. With everything I have staked my life on it. I've staked my family's life on it, my children's life, my grandchildren's life. Do you not think that if I thought there was another way to heaven, I would not teach my children and my grandchildren how to get there, I'm teaching them nothing but that. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I've staked everything on that. And I don't believe it just for some made-up reason. I believe it because that's what the Bible teaches us. Titus 3.5 says this, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. In other words, He saved us not because of any good works that we did. He saved us according to his own mercy. Or the, the bellwether scripture on this, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, now here's what I want you to understand. Because of our faith in Christ, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ will never never be judged for our sin. I want you to be clear about that. In fact, we can't be judged for our sin because our sin has already been judged on the cross. So we can't be judged for it because it's already been judged. 1 Peter 2.24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on that tree. When He hung on that tree, it was my sins that He bore. It was your sins that he bore if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians 2, 13 to 14, And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
So I will never be judged for my sins. If you're a believer, you'll never be judged for your sins. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the great scriptures in, in the entire verse. No condemnation, no judgment for your sin. You never have to worry about that. But I want you to understand something. Salvation is not earned by good works, but good works are the inevitable result of salvation. You need to understand that. Faith and works are a package deal. Listen to what James says in verse 217. So also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. There's no such thing as a faith, a true faith in Christ that doesn't have good works. That, that doesn't exist. The idea that you can walk down an aisle and uh, make a profession of faith and get baptized and then uh, just go back out in the world and live out there for years and years and years doing all your own thing and somebody comes up to you and says, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. Sure I am. <laughs> really? Where's the works? Where's the evidence? Paul said, uh, James said, if there's, no, if there's no works accompanying your faith, that faith isn't real. Listen to what Paul says in that same verse, uh, same area, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where he says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. He says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, say it with me, for good works. There's not, there's not even an idea in the mind of Jesus, I'm going to save somebody and just leave them the way they are. That's, that doesn't exist. He saves us, he creates us anew for good works. Why? Because he wants his Father to be glorified. Can you imagine he, he, he just, if he just saved us and left us alone and didn't do anything in our life, how in the world would that be a testimony? How would that bring any glory to the Father? He wants people to look and say, wow, look, 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 look at that person. Look what, they've, look what God has done in their life. That takes good works. And so that's, it's a package deal. So our sins will not be judged. But folks, listen to me. Our works after we get saved will be judged. Now, by the way, I put Romans 14.23 there, 14, there because it said anything that's not of faith is sin. You will not be judged for anything before you got saved because everything you did before you got saved, there was nothing good in it. Y'all understand that? Even the things you did good, you just did it for yourself. You didn't do it for him. They don't count. It's only, once you get saved, though, and once you begin to walk the way he walks and talk the way he talks, and once you begin to uh, practice these good works, we're going to be judged from, for everything after that. Okay? Now, you might say, because listen, can we all be honest here? I've got a lot of good works, and I've got a lot of not-so-good works, because ain't none of us perfect. Right? I, I've got things that I've done and I can point to and say, yeah, look what God did there and look what God did there. But I've also got a lot of things I do that, that still gets done out of just my own selfishness. God's going to judge those. He's going to weigh them in the balance. Now, I want to give you two ways tonight that our works will be judged. The first way they're going to be judged is for their authenticity or for their uh, value. Listen to Romans 14. 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. So right there again, it tells us, Derek, Pastor Henry, Pastor Bill, everybody in this church, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give him an account of our lives, what we've done. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul says it again. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or bad. Now that word bad there is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word phallos, and it doesn't mean sinful. It doesn't mean morally bad. So the contrast here between good and bad in this verse, uh, talking about a Christian's works, is not between, a, uh, between something that's morally good or morally bad. The word phallos that's used there for bad means useless or worthless. It doesn't mean sinful. It means useless or worthless. So this is what's going to happen. If you've got works in your life, and those works were done to glorify God, then those works will be judged as good. And you know the beauty of that? That can be as simple as giving somebody a glass of water. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you give someone a glass of water in my name, you'll in no way lose your reward. It doesn't have to be anything great. It can be if you work unto Him... If you live unto Him, if, if your marriage is unto Him, all of these things doesn't have to be, you know, especially spiritual, but if they're being done to honor Him, to glorify Him, to advance His kingdom, then those things will be judged as good. But if you've got things in your life and you just pursued them because you wanted somebody to pat you on the back, then those will not get it. Those will be burned up. You will not get any credit for those. Those are considered bad. They're useless. They're worthless. They weren't used to advance the kingdom. Everybody with me? And we all got some of those in our life. The best verse that explains this is 1 Corinthians three eleven through fifteen. Paul says this: For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Folks, that's your salvation. Nobody can build the Christian life on anything other than Jesus Christ. That is our salvation. But now watch what he says. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that's all the good stuff, wood, hay, or straw, that's the bad stuff, each one's work will become manifest for the day of judgment. That's what he's talking about. We'll disclose it because it was revealed by fire. And the fire, which represents judgment will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Does everybody see that? You're not going to be condemned for your sins. Those, Jesus paid those on the cross. You are a man or a woman of God, but our works will be judged. I've been doing this, I was yesterday going back and looking at my lessons, I've been doing this for 17 years. And that's a whole lot of stuff. And every one of those is going to be judged. And I, I, I've said it before, if I'm getting up here just so somebody can pat me on the back, that's going to be burned up. It's going to be wood, hay, or stubble. It's going to be gone. I get no credit at all. But if I'm doing it for him if I'm doing it for His glory, if I'm doing it to advance the kingdom, then it'll last and it will survive.
I, I always, when I think about this, I always I want to read a quote, because I, I just love this quote. I read this quote years ago by C.S. Lewis. This is what it says. Some of us, I'm going to read the quote, then I'm going to explain it. It says, some of us who seem quite nice people may, in fact, have made so little use of good heredity and upbringing that we are really worse than those of whom we regard as fiends. That is why Christians are told not to judge. We only see the results which a man's choices make out of his raw material. But God doesn't judge him on the raw material at all, but on what he has done with it. Most of man's makeup is probably due to his flesh, but when his flesh dies off, all that will fall off of him, and the real central man, the thing that chose, the thing that made the best or the worst out of this material, will stand naked, and we shall then, for the first time, see everyone as he really is. You understand what he's saying? Two men, maybe I'm one of them, I was raised in a godly home. I was raised by a, a mom and dad that loved me, and, and they've been married, what, a long time, 60-something years. They've been married a long time, and, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, and they raised me right. And, and so, if I'd have, listen, if I'd have never been born again, I'd have probably been a decent person. Are you with me? Just because of the way they raised me. Now, over here is this other guy, and he was brought up in an alcoholic home. He was beat, he was abused, he was just told he was no good. And let's just say we were born on the same day, went to school together, graduated and everything. And then we get, both of us get saved. Now here's the thing. You might look at him 10 years from now or 20 years from now, and you may look at me, and I look like I'm way up here, and he looks like he's here. But in reality, I've only grown that much, and he's grown that much. Are you with me? See, that's what C.S. Lewis is saying. One day, all that upbringing and all that stuff, none of that has anything to do with God. That'll fall off. And what's going to be left is what did you build on the foundation? What did you build on the foundation? We can't judge. We can't see. We can't tell because we can't see hearts and we can't see motivations, but God does. And one day, He'll judge us all as we really are. Now, I want to say one quick thing before I move on, and I want to give you a, mind, a reminder. There's going to be, everybody understands there's going to be a judgment one day, all Christians. It's obvious, it's clear in the Bible, all your works are going to be, your works are going to be judged. But I want you to remind you of something. There's another judgment that you and I are subject to because we are God's child. And here's the thing. God is a loving Father, and because of that, he ain't willing to wait. He's not going to let you go through a life doing things you don't need to be doing, just like any, just like my dad wouldn't do. If your father loves you, he's going to discipline you. He's going to take care of things. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Talking about in this life, it is for discipline that you have to endure because God is treating you as sons or daughters. If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. How much more should we be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. 
For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So I just, I talked about earlier about this fear of God. See, there's something about this fear of God should motivate us to holiness. And what God wants us to know and Paul wants us to know and the author of Hebrews wants us to know is, yes, there's going to be a final judgment, but you don't have to wait for that. You can deal with it right now. Paul says if we would judge ourselves rightly and truly, we would not be judged. But God also is not willing to wait. He will, if you won't take care of some issues in your life, he will step in. Because he doesn't, he's not going to just be a hands-off father. He is, he is a, he's a disciplinarian. Number two, our works are judged in two ways. Number one, they're judged for their value or their authenticity. And I want you to, everybody, pay attention right now because this is going to get really good. Our works will be judged as evidence. Our works will be judged as evidence. I want to go back to Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. This is a, a, a passage of Scripture that really bothered me for a while. Really bothered me. Because I want to read it again, and I want you to see what it says. He will, talking about God, He will render to each one according to His what? Works. To those who by patience and well-doing, and let me just point that out, this isn't somebody that does good for a little while. This is somebody day after day. After week, after months, just keeps pressing, just keeps pressing, just keeps pressing. Who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. What's he going to give them? Well, the first time I read that, I said, that cannot be right. It's got to say he will render each one according to his faith. Why don't it say Faith. And I'd read it again, and I'd think, why, why didn't you say faith, Paul? Why did you say works? And see, I, I, that bothered me, because in my mind, I'm thinking, how can it be that we are saved by grace, through faith, not by works, and yet Paul is saying you'll be given eternal life based on your works? In other words, you see the connection between eternal life and, and, and works there? Does everybody, everybody see that? That really bothered me. So I began to study it, and lo and behold, guess what? I started seeing that everywhere in the Bible, not just one passage. I saw it everywhere. Let me give you, sometimes it's from the negative point of view. Watch this, Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warned you before and I warned you again. Those who do such things will not get into heaven. So what is he doing? He's tying the entrance into the kingdom of heaven to what? To their works. Now, by the way, John 3.18 says... Um, that those who believe on him in his name are not condemned, but those who don't believe in the name of the Son of God are condemned already. They're not going to heaven because of their unbelief. You and I are going to heaven because of our belief, but yet Paul says to them, when you do things like that, you're not going into heaven. Or how about this one, Hebrews twelve fourteen: Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You want to see God? You want to get into the kingdom of heaven? You, you want to have eternal life? 
you've got to have holiness. Or how about the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 14 to 15. If you forgive men their transgressions or sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, that forgiveness of sins by God means that's, that's how you get into heaven. Your sins are forgiven, right? But he's tying that to something we do, which is forgiving other people. How about this one? Matthew seven twenty one. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father. It's not the person who just says, Lord, Lord. It's the one who actually walks it out. That yes, I'm your Lord. You're my Lord. It's what you do. I kept seeing it over and over and over. And I kept thinking, okay, is this a contradiction? How can we be saved by grace through faith, and yet the entrance into the kingdom is according to works? How can that be? And then, like always, Jesus himself answered my question and solved my, uh, my pitiful little problem. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 36, and I'll explain how. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, we understand that, right? An apple tree brings forth apples. A fig tree brings forth figs. That's all he's saying. Now, watch what he says. You brood of vipers talking to the Pharisees, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. How can Jesus say that I'll be justified by my words, or they'll be condemned by the words? Well, he just said it, because the, the, it, the, the, the fruit comes out of the right tree. In other words, the good person brings forth good words and good actions and good attitudes. The bad person cannot bring those forth. They bring forth bad words and bad actions and bad attitudes. See, what Jesus is saying here is that our works are an infallible sign of who we are on the inside. It's infallible. Your works will show who you really are on the inside. Let me give you one more example, and I think this will drive this point home. I want you to imagine one day, the day finally comes, and we are all in the courtroom of God. Every single one of us, every, every person that's ever lived, somehow we're going to be there. And we're all assembled before the righteous judge, and he's going to judge us. And by the way, we look around, and everybody in that room is guilty. Every single one of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We're all guilty. We all deserve to be, uh, go into outer darkness, away from his presence forever. That's what we all deserve. But on that day, some will be acquitted and others will be condemned. Some will be acquitted and others will be condemned. And the acquitted will be acquitted because they have been forgiven, because Jesus bore their sins on that tree. 
that's why they'll be acquitted. And the condemned are going to be lost, as John 3.18 says, because they did not believe in the name of the Son of God. That's the reason some are going to heaven. That's the reason some are going to hell. That's why some are acquitted. No other reason than that. But listen to me. In that courtroom on that day, a witness will be called to testify on your behalf. On that day, when you step up, you'll be acquitted or condemned based on your faith in Jesus Christ. But one way or the other, a witness is going to be called on your behalf. And that witness is going to be your works. Your witness is going to tell everything there is to know about you. It's going to tell, was it real or was it fake? Now you may say, well, that's a great analogy. How'd you come up with that? Those are the words of Jesus. Listen to this, Matthew 25, 41, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He's going to sit on His glorious throne. And before Him is going to be gathered all the nations. And He's going to separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He'll place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. And the King will say to those on His right, to those that have been acquitted to those that have, that have put their faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Do you know what He says next? For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was, I was thirsty, and you did something about it. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you, you took me in, you welcomed me, I was naked, you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came to me. See, our works are evidence of, and a witness to, a true faith in Jesus Christ. So here's my question, what do, what do your works say about you? What do my works say about me? Let's close this out all the way back to verse, uh, verse 2. Oh, by the way, I just want to back that up for just a moment. The, right, the fact that our works tell us about our relationship with Christ. First John 2, 3 through 6, John says this, And by this we know that we've come to know Him. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know that you're united with Him? Because you keep His commandments. By this we, mo we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. You want to know you're saved? You want to know you're a true believer in Jesus Christ? You want to know that the Spirit is inside of you, that you've got a new heart? You want to know all that? Then check out the evidence. Check your works. Are you keeping His commandments? Are you walking the way that He walked? Let's bring this home. Let's go all the way back to Matthew 7.2. Jesus said this, For the judgment that you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure or the standard you use, it will be measured to you. You want to get very specific. The way we judge others is evidence of who we are. The way that we judge other people is evidence, a witness to who we are. Now the question is, what is that evidence? What is that witness saying about us? 
Tonight, I, how many here, by the way, found an occasion this past week to judge somebody and you thought better of it? Anybody? I got my hand up. If you were here last week, you, you stopped, right? See, this is, what, this is what this is all about. This is why we, we teach. This is why we, are, we sit under the Word of God, because we need to know. I mean, I want to know now. I don't want to go through my life with nobody saying, hey, man, you're doing it wrong. I want to know now so I can get it, I can get it straightened out. And I, and I pray and I hope that the Lord will use these lessons to change how we judge and look at one another. Next week, we will come back and we will uh, talk about spiritual surgery. How, like I said, these verses aren't about not judging. It's about judging the right way so that we can help one another when we see someone called in sin. Next week, we'll see how to do that. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you do. We thank you for your incredible, incredible word. What a word it is. God, I know that uh, we all have this tendency to judge. It's just something that's in this old human nature. Um, we don't even have to try. It just, it just comes out of us. Father, help us, show us, teach us, change us to be men and women who aren't condemners, who aren't just criticizing for the sake of criticism, but God, people who walk in mercy, who are willing to forgive, who can see sin in other people, but yet help them, help them to get the speck out of their own eye because we see clearly out of ours. I ask you, Lord, if you will, to prepare us for next week's lesson. Prepare us to be a people and the church that you want us to be. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for all you do. In your precious son's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You are dismissed. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.